0: let's pray together this morning heavenly father we're so thankful because we have a friend in you friend that not only cares about what we're going through but can do something about it so we trust you and we ask that you will personalize a message for us this morning that we might not just understand more than information we want to experience transformation we want that everybody who's watching online or is here in the building might leave with something different than what they came in. So we thank you in advance for what you're about to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Morning, everybody. I am always thankful uh, to come to Triad Adventist Fellowship. And listen to such wonderful, inspiring music. I really dig the band in this church. So let's give it up for them and thank them for what they do. You know, young people getting together, practicing, praising God is amazing. We're going to be together for the next eight days. We're going to have some fantastic artists, some Christ-centered messages. So I'm really hoping... That you come out every night and the ones who are watching online, invite you to come in the building. We're going to have a great time. The message for this morning is titled, Who Are You Listening To? I don't know if you're familiar with this phrase. It's, the phrase is an earworm. Anybody who's familiar with an earworm? You know what that is? Anybody? That's when you listen to a song and you can't get it out of your mind. Or your brain and you every, yeah, you walk and the song is with you and you try to get it out and you can't get it out right And anybody, anybody had that happen too the, the worst is when you get a song in your mind you don't like like Taylor Swift. Uh, it's the really really difficult thing for you to be listening to a song in your brain that you don't appreciate. And everywhere you walk, it doesn't matter if you run. It this, Like different strategies to get those things out of your head. I don't know if you've ever had a conversation with somebody. That was a difficult conversation. And then when you're driving home, you're replaying the conversation in your mind. And you're telling that person in your mind all the things you wish you would have told them <laughs> When you were listening, when you were talking to them, that man, I should have said this. Man, this would have been a great comeback. Man. In the old testament, there's a prophet. I really dig his stories found in First Kings chapter 17 to 19. This guy's name is Elijah. And Elijah listened in his life to three distinct people. Number one, he listened to his enemies, to his antagonists. If you have a Bible in your phone or you can just look at the screen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you, put, I think I have it here. Okay. Listen, listening to your antagonists. Number one. Now Ahab, Ahab was a king. He was a weak king. He was a bad king. He was a terrible person. He's he was a very. What's the term for it? It's a person who smiles to your face and then it, like a passive aggressive dude. You know anybody like that? There's one in every family, in every church. I don't know who it is, in in this church or in your family. It's a passive aggressive guy he would like talk to people but then he behind the back this is what he did he went to Jezebel and told her everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword this is how most problems start with gossip notice that when he went to Jezebel he did not mention any other positive things. He didn't say, hey, dude, I just saw fire come down from heaven. I saw everybody, the whole country, repent and say, well, who, who is this God? We want to follow after him. He left conveniently out all the positive things Elijah had done. All he said was that he had killed all the prophets in the sword. I grew up in church and I've been to many denominational meetings. It's always the most opinionated, not in this church because this is a perfect church, but I'm talking in other places. It's always the most opinionated people about a meeting, the ones who were not at the meeting who somebody else told them what had happened in the meeting. This is what Ahab is doing. It starts with gossip. It starts with him leaving some things out very conveniently. So she heard what he had done and said, verse 2, so Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah. Notice that, okay, messenger. She sent a messenger to say, May the gods deal with me be it ever so severely if by this time tomorrow I do not make you like one of them. And verse 3 says, and Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Let me tell you the mistake that Elijah made. The mistake was listening to the wrong person there's in all his story first Kings 17 to 19 Elijah was always the initiator he was always proactive God always directed his conversations God always told Elijah listen you have to go and talk to the king and tell him it's not going to rain and you have to go to this place and, and there's a widow there that's going to take care of you in this whole story Elijah is never in reactive mode he's always in proactive mode he's going where God has telling him to go except for this time this time there is a servant that has bad news and Elijah is drained after a long day I don't know if I'm talking to some introverts anybody who's an introvert here in the house that people drain you. Raise your hands. Ra- introverts hate raising their hands. <laughs> introverts hate talking to tell somebody next to you. Introverts are like, no, please, no. I'm watching at home next time. <laughs> Int- intro. I think Elijah was an introvert. He is drained. He just spent one whole day giving of himself. I'm an introvert, except for when I'm preaching but the rest of the time and i'm an introvert i like to spend time with myself i like less people more than more people so as a pastor it's kind of difficult because when you're a pastor everybody wants to talk to you and give you opinions and ask you questions and tell you stuff so i'm i'm in church all day so i feel elijah i know how it is some of you who are introverts and work in sales that's crazy like after a day of talking to people you're like if I don't see another human for the next five years it will be fine some of you were grateful not for the pandemic for the time alone in the pandemic it's like this you mean I have to stay home and like are you gonna pay me really (laughs) how is this bad I don't see I don't see the the problem here let me I don't have to see people at all this is great this is amazing news this is what happened to Elijah he's spending energy all day long he's talking to the king he's talking to the prophets of Baal he's making fun of them he's preaching to the people all day long he's asking God he has a lot of emotional energy has been spent that whole day and at the end of the day one of the most difficult spots in your life not just for temptation but for your state of mind is right after a big miracle because we tend to let go we tend to just like relax, and we're, we're really tired. It's really hard to make really good decisions when you're tired. It's really hard to ha- really hard to have deep conversations when you're tired. It's really hard to pick good things to eat when you're tired. Somebody say amen. It's really hard to say no to those Oreos. Oreos are made by God. I'm telling you, when they can. <laughs> it, it it's a bad day for Oreos because I'm fasting today because tonight's evangelistic series, so I'm fasting today, and I just see Oreos dancing in my head. <laughs> He listened to the wrong person at the wrong time. And that conversation sent him into a depression and suicidal ideation. We don't speak about mental health much. And when somebody has issues with mental health, we tell that person, you've got to pray more. Yeah, we got to pray more, but sometimes you got to get away from some toxic people that are causing in you the way that you are right now. Just because you make a request does not mean I need to give you access. There are some people in your life, if you believe this, just clap. If you don't believe it, don't. Just look at the person. Wait, wait, wait. I haven't said anything yet. (laughs) You're saying it. You're clapping in faith. (laughs) there are some people you have to give the gift of distance it's like (laughs) knock knock who's there a gift a gift of a gift of distance i don't here's i got you something for christmas It's a gift of distance just because they ask just because you're asking doesn't mean i have to give you access this is the problem with elijah he listened to the wrong person at the wrong time, and it had great effect. There's a lot of people in your, in, in your life, there's a lot of things in your life you can't choose. You can't choose the color of your hair, well, yes. You can't choose your height. You can't choose your parents. There's a lot of things in your life, your genes. There's a lot of things in your life you can't choose. One thing you can choose is who you surround yourself with. The older I get, the more I understand that I am not required to give everybody the same access to my life. I don't have to friend everybody on Facebook. I don't have to listen to your... I was going to say something not nice, but I'll say something in a very spiritual way. I'll say it in a more spiritual way. I don't have to listen to your stupid ramblings in Facebook. I don't have to. I don't have to. I don't have to. 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 You don't have to come in my wall and say racist stuff. I don't have to put up with stuff. I don't have to engage with toxic people. The Bible says I should love everybody, but I should not engage with everybody. Even Jesus said there are some people that are like pigs. You throw pearls to, they come back and bite you. So I am just making the appeal today. For you to stop listening to the wrong people. Make the choice to surround yourself with people that have the same goals and aspirations. The people that are gonna come around you. I really appreciate the devotional this morning when they invited us to surround ourselves with a our community. Who you surround yourself matters. You are the combination, somebody said, you are the combination of your five most closest friends. So if you look at your friends and you look at them and you say, man, what a bunch of losers. It says more about you than it does about them. Now, as an aside, but related to the first point, I have a personal concern about who is discipling Christians in North America pastors and church leaders today have an impossible job they are trying to compete with 30 minutes once a week with eight hours every day of non-stop discipling by news CNN, Fox, MSNBC. Their business model is to keep you divided from other people. They are discipling you. You are allowing them to come into your house and listening to it. Has it made you a more mature Christian? Has it made you a more trusting individual? Has it made you somebody who loves your brother, especially those who... Think differently from you because jesus said love your enemies that's a really tough thing he said it has listening to this constant non-stop crisis breaking news breaking news breaking news break like how many breaking news can there be breaking news breaking news breaking news about breaking news breaking 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 breaking. breaking. no during the pandemic my wife and i decided we are not going to listen to news, watch news anymore so we limited to half an hour some days it's zero guess what we survived other stuff to watch. Other stuff to, to, to put into your mind. Who is discipling you? Who is forming you? What you allow to come in these two ears. The stuff that you listen to forms the way you operate. And forms the way that you look at the world and other people. Last I heard, our primary goal as Christians is to follow the Lamb not to submit to the elephant or the donkey the lamb the lamb we are foreigners in this land have to listen to the right person the question today is who are you listening to Elijah made the mistake of listening to the wrong person number two Elijah started listening as a result of listening to the wrong person. He started listening to himself. When you have a conversation with yourself, what do you guys talk about? Is your conversation with yourself positive? When you look in the mirror, you like what you see? You're like, oh my goodness. We have found the enemy, and the enemy is us. Yet. You have to ask yourself, what are the broken soundtracks that are in my mind? I was reading a really good book lately, uh, a little while ago by John Acuff. It's called Soundtracks. Everybody has them. Look at, look at Elijah, First 1 Kings 19.4. He says, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. He's asking for suicide by God. He's saying, I don't want to live. I want to take a nap. And I don't want to wake up from it. He's thinking two things. Number one, my life is not worth living. And number two, nobody will miss me If I'm gone how does a person get from choose you this day who are you gonna serve God bring some fire down from heaven hey is your God probably he's taking a nap how does a person go from it's not gonna rain until God says so who is what how does a person go from yeah I'm gonna pray for this kid and he's he's dead and now he's not how does a person do, go from miracle working prophet to suicidal prophets? How does that happen? What's going on when you talk to you? Like what broken records are there in your mind that keep you stuck to where you are instead of going where God wants you to go? Let me, let me share a couple of, of the ones that I grew up with. Because at some point, you've had to have had an agreement with the enemy with a broken record, right? Something somebody said to you, something you saw in your house, somebody, so, something, an adjective somebody put next to your name that you adopted and believed it, and you made an agreement with the enemy about your life. I'll tell you two of them from mine, and I'm still recovering from them. But I'm praising God that there is victory in Jesus. And Jesus has come to set us free. Not just from attacks, from antagonists, from, but from negative thoughts from our own mind. Here's two. Number one. The one, first one. I grew up with this. People are trying to take advantage of you. Of you. I don't know what age I was when I heard that for the first time from my parents but that was a in our household that was something that was said people are trying to take advantage of you so imagine growing up with the stuff people are trying to take advantage of you now you filter every relationship through people are trying to take advantage of you people are trying to take advantage of you so you go buy a car what do you think people are trying to take advantage of me what's the angle here People are not just nice. Watch out when people want to be nice because nobody's nice for any reason. There's, some, there's always a hidden agenda. People are trying to take advantage of you. So you filter every business relationship. You're sitting to discuss a contract and you're thinking, this guy's are trying, trying to take advantage of me. You go to buy a house, he said, this realtor is trying to take advantage of me. He's trying to sell me a house that probably has some bad stuff that she doesn't want me to see. And then when I buy it, it's going to be like a money pit, like that movie that I watched when I was 15. I hate it. So you, oh, you filter every relationship with the opposite sex. You filter every relationship with teachers. You filter every relationship with other students. You filter every relationship with people you love. You filter every business relationship, every business decision through this concept. People are trying to take advantage of me. That's a broken record in your mind. I have to understand... Well, it's, it's a better world when I give people the benefit of the doubt. And I just meet you as you are. And then when you show me who you are, I believe you the first time. But I don't go into this relationship thinking, so what, what's, the, what's the angle here? Other ones that I've heard, this is not personal, but I hear this all the time in relationships, especially with people that break up, And then have a new relationship and then break up and have a new relationship and break up and have a new relationship, whether dating or marriage. This is the broken record. Things always end. So you go into the relationship saying, this person eventually is going to leave. So before they leave, I'm going to leave. So you sabotage your own relationships because of that broken record. You say, it came, I know it feels good now, but eventually they're going to leave. Because I saw that happen in my house. And I saw how my dad left. So what happens is that people you love eventually leave. And they're, and they're gone. So I know it's, it feels good right now, but this is, gonna, this is going to end. So before you hurt me, I'm going to hurt less if I just drop you. Imagine living your life thinking every good thing that is happening right now cannot last. And you look at the other person, it's like, man, but we seem to get along so great. But there's something about me this person is not going to like. Eventually, if they know who I really am, they're going to drop me like a sack of potatoes. This, this thing in your mind. This is what Elijah's happened. Elijah is listening to these words of this antagonist, and he's adopting it into his life. He's receiving it into his heart. He's saying to himself, this is me. I'm not worth anything. God, please take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. He has this grasshopper mentality. Well, how does that happen? It starts in your mind. Let me share with you a couple of thoughts. I'm going to go through this very quickly. And I don't want you to say amen or raise your hand. Just your conscience. These are things that are keeping you stuck where you are. I'm telling you, Jesus did not come to die so you can stop eating cheese. Jesus came to die so you can change your whole life. And as, yeah, you can clap for that. Jesus came to die so you can have a new way of living. So You can understand things better, that so you can have engaged relationships so you can understand the fullness of his love and the life he wants for you. There are some things that get in the way and it's your stinking thinking, negative thought patterns. For example, polarized thinking. If you're not perfect, you're a failure. That's why you don't start stuff. because it's, it's not perfect, yet. I can't start it. I can't start I can't record this song. It's not perfect. I can't write this book. I can't, it's not perfect. I can't put this online. So you take like 25,000 selfies to pick one photograph. It's not perfect. Look, one hair. Look, it's that hair. People are going to focus on that hair. No, I have to change the hair. Okay, now, no, m- maybe the hair. Maybe not the hair. Maybe yes, the hair. No, no, the hair. If I'm not perfect, you're a failure. Nobody's perfect. Jesus didn't come for perfect people. He came for people who understood they're not perfect, but they're perfectly loved. overgeneralization. That's a big word. I can't even pronounce it. What this means is you fell off the horse on the first try. Therefore, you will always fall off the horse. I'm not, I'm not doing that again because that's what happens. See, when you trust churches, take advantage of you. You trust spiritual, spiritual leaders that disappoint you. You love people, they leave. So, You filter every experience through the filter of your pain. Every experience. It starts right here. Jump into conclusions, number three. Your friend hasn't called you in a while, therefore she hates you. How do you know? How do you know she hates you? Well, yeah, because she hasn't called. And I just know. Like, how do you know? Have you asked them? One of the things I tell my kids, don't say no to yourself. That's other people say no to yourself. Yeah, I saw that person. He, they didn't greet me, so they, they must not really like me. Maybe that person is having a bad day. He was looking at me cross-eyed. He is cross-eyed. <laughs> Number four, personalization. Everything that happens is about you. Everything that happens is about you. Your best friend started playing tennis because he knows that you play tennis. So now he's competing against you. Everything is about you. The world revolves around you. Everything people say online. When the pastor preaches something, it's about, that, was, that, was, that was about me. I don't know who told him. That was about me. You ever Have you ever... I don't know who I'm speaking to today, but somebody's going to receive this. You're walking through a hall, and, and there are people in conversation, and pe- people are having conversation, and they look at you, and they keep talking, and you think to yourself, I wonder what they're saying about me. They're talking about the Mexican restaurant they're going to eat later. <laughs> One of the things you understand when you're older is nobody cares about you. <laughs> <laughs> do me a favor introverts turn to the person next to you and say nobody cares bro go ahead nobody cares (laughs) you are not that important with your 73 followers oh man (laughs) come on come on number five control fallacies you feel like a helpless victim of external forces You feel personally, I'm speaking to somebody in the room, a mother, a father, a parent, a good friend who's like the mother of your friend group. You feel personally responsible for everybody's happiness. I see people who are singers. I have a lot of singers who are are good friends. And I've been backstage with them. I've been... I've been in places where there's 5,000 people in the audience, 4,000 people in the audience. And we give out surveys and say, what would you like about the program? And people responded with the surveys, 4,000 people. And five of them said, didn't like the music, five. And that person broke down in tears in front of me. I can't believe people don't like my music. People, who are people? There's five people. Five people, they probably didn't look at the survey. They just put, no matter what you do in life, 10% are going to be opposed. No matter what you do, no matter how great, if you say, oh, look at this beautiful puppy, there's always going to be, yeah, it's beautiful now, but then they grow up and they die. There's always somebody like that in your friend group. Why do you feel personally responsible for everybody's happiness? Do you like my food? Do you like my food? Do you like my song? Do you like my song? Do you like my preaching? Do you like my preaching? Do you like what I wrote? Do you like what I put? Yes, yes. If you live by people's approval, you'll die by their rejection. My identity is in Jesus. And he is well pleased. That's what he said this is my son and i am well pleased in him why do you feel personally responsible for everybody's happiness this is elijah's problem they don't want you he just came from an event that everybody that was there said yeah i want to follow jesus and now, one person says, I'm gonna kill you and say, Yeah, it's over. My life is over. Nobody, everybody hates me. My life is over. I don't know what I'm doing. Ah, ah, ah. One person. By the way, you are not personally responsible for every, anybody else's feelings or happiness or success. You're personally responsible for you, for your growth, for your development. Number six. Did I say no? Yeah, six. Two more. Rules first. You know somebody like that? There are rules that must be obeyed by everyone. If you violate the rules, you feel very guilty. If others break the rules, you feel very angry. I see this in churches all the time. There's potluck. And somebody from the front says, please, let guests go first. And then us, the members, we're going to go second. And then every church has that one dude who does not listen to that announcement, brought nothing to potluck, and comes out with two plates with all the good stuff. You know, there's some stuff in the potluck that's really good, and there's only like three of them, right? And that dude comes out with the three of them. And there's always somebody who's like, wait, wait, hey, 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 hey. Look, 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 look. Hey, pastor said... The pastor said, guess first. You're upset. You're upset because somebody else is doing something to break the rules. I, I am some, sometimes concerned that God has not impacted our life in such a way that we are unconverted obeyers. It's one of the worst ways to live Christianity right that's a phrase I just made up unconverted obeyers you understand what that means it's like my life has not been transformed but I'm grinding it, and I'm not doing stuff. Not because I understand sin is bad for me, but because I just I just, I just, mean, don't want to go to the other place. So I want to go to heaven. So I'm just going to grind it. And, and then I look at other people that are really enjoying their Christianity. I'm like, hmm, why? Like, I'm a vegetarian, but I really want to eat chicken. But I'm a vegetarian. So I see others, but I really want to eat chicken. Like, I want to eat it. Man, I want to eat it. And I'm grinding it. But because somebody told me along the way that if I eat chicken, I'm not going to go to heaven. But I'm not going to... I don't want to eat it. I don't want to eat it. But I see somebody else eating chicken. I'm like, no. you, Dude, just eat a piece of chicken. Just eat a piece of chicken. Relax. Get some steak with it. And chill out. People that are rules first. When you don't obey the rules, you feel like trash. I have let down God again. God is disappointed at me. He hates me. I don't even know what He would use me. And you beat yourself up. And if somebody else breaks the rules, you're like, oh, look at them. Look at what they're doing. Look at their lifestyle. Look at their choices. Not my job to judge your life. Less intervention more intercession I can't change you while I have stuff that I need to change in me this concept of rules based behavior measures your success or failure on how well you obey I have bad news for you nobody is able to do it and you're going to live a life of permanent frustration. Until you understand grace. And when you understand grace, you are going to be a better obeyer than before. It's interesting how grace operates. When you're trying to obey and mad because other people don't, you're going to be less successful than if you allow the Holy Spirit to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. Rules first. And then the last one, emotional reasoning. My emotions define the truth. I feel fat. Therefore, I'm fat. I feel ugly. Therefore, I'm ugly. I feel unsuccessful. Therefore, I'm unsuccessful. I feel that I can not do nothing right. Therefore, I can't do nothing right. This is Elijah. I failed. Nobody wants to follow you. Emotional reasoning is very difficult and very dangerous to rely on your emotions. Your emotions are great passengers but terrible drivers. I can't. I'm married to my wife, and there are some days, everybody who's married here, just, just testify for a moment. If you're married, haven't you had days when you wake up and you're like, what in the world is happening? Some of you don't want to laugh because you had that fight this morning. You had that feeling right before you came to church. You're like, what in the world? They asked Billy Graham's wife one time. Have you ever considered divorce from Billy Graham? She said, divorce, never. Murder, sometimes. (laughs) Emotional reasoning, my emotions define the truth. Your emotions don't define the truth. You are beloved because God says so, not because you feel so. So you, you don't feel your way to success just like you don't drift yourself to success sometimes there are things you have to do even though every fiber in your being says don't exercise today but i'm gonna do it anyway every fiber in your being is saying sleep with him sleep with her when you're like like i feel that there's a connection i feel there's love but i'm just gonna take a step back in this relationship your emotions don't determine your life you are not what you feel that's a good phrase this should be in a t-shirt somewhere in fact just tell the person next to you come on introverts you are not what you feel you are not what you feel and here's my last one he listened to the antagonist wrong choice he listened to himself worse choice but then he listened to god first kings nineteen twelve. after the earthquake came a fire but the lord was not in the fire which is very confusing isn't it because like a chapter before the lord was in the fire but a chapter afterwards he's not in the fire it would be a mistake for you to think that god operates all the time the same way it's like yeah he did this like this 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 time he's going to do it again this time The greatest enemy of future success is past success. Because when you've been successful at something, you think, this is gonna, I'm just gonna ride this pony forever. And sometimes the pony dies. The Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And then God proceeds to talk to Elijah about his next assignment. So what he's telling Elijah is, I can still use you. You know, you had suicidal ideations, mental health problems, you were not successful, you ran away from confrontation, I can still use you. That's great news for somebody who's struggling about self-worth, who think that your mistakes override your decision to follow Jesus. I see that often. Somebody makes a decision to follow Jesus and then that same week they make a mistake and they think that, dis- that mistake overrides that decision. That is false and that is from the devil and the devil is a liar. Your mistake does not override your decision. Jesus got you. He's, he has you in the palm of his hand. You are like the apple of his eye. He has you in his grasp. If you come to him, he's not going to push you away. You have to listen more to what God says about you. So what does he say about you? He tells Elijah, and he tells you and I. Do you have it all together? No. Neither do any of these people here. I mean, look around. Take a moment right now. Look around. None of them got it all together. None of them. They look well put together, but they don't. They don't. They have struggles. And some of them struggle with depression. And some of them struggle with suicidal ideation. And some of them struggle with their weight. And some of them struggle with Relationships, and some of them struggle with finances, and some of them struggle in different areas. That's why this week we're going to talk. Uh, we're going to address those problems, and we understand that yes, we have real problems, but we also have a real God that has real solutions for our real life. That's why I read the Word of God. It's not just a document for you to have religious information. It's a living document that is telling you in real time. Hey, I can still use you. I'm not letting go of you. The beauty of the gospel is not that we hold on to God, but that God holds on to us. It's not that we came up to God. It's that God came up to us. Universal symbol of Christianity is a cross, not a ladder. That's the beauty of the gospel. Not bad people becoming good, but dead people coming alive. The beauty of the gospel. So I want to listen with a, I want to finish with a story. And I'm going I'm to make an invitation this morning. Because as I was praying, God told me to make this invitation. So I'm going to make this invitation. So I'm going to tell you a story. And after the story, this is a story I it's not original to me. I, I heard a pastor called Alistair Gegg, say it. And I'm going to change some of the details. I'm just going to advertise this story this morning because I really like the last part of it. He talks about this I in our phraseology. Like when we talk about our experience, It's like, yeah, when I came to Jesus. And when I decided to follow Jesus. And when I had my sins forgiven. And when I... Uh, accepted him and when i said yes to it so it's said like, i i i i i and so he tells his story about a guy um that goes to heaven uh on the last day Th- these these three uh people were in three different crosses jesus in the center there's, there's a thief on one side another thief on another side and 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 he, he accepted jesus like right there on the cross. So imagine, right, on Judgment Day, he shows up to heaven. There's a gate, this thief from the cross. There's a gate. There's an angel saying, like, uh, I need to ask you some questions before you come in. So I'm, I'm going to advertise the story now. Uh, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions before I let you in the gate. There's no gates in heaven. It's just a story, okay? Chill out. And there's the, he, he's, he's he asking him questions like, can you explain to me the doctrine of justification by faith? And the guy is like, what? Do you, what? I, I don't understand. Oh, you don't know it. Hmm. Okay, let me ask you. Uh, another one. Can you explain to me uh, the 2300-day prophecy? Explain to me. I want all the texts. I want you to please be very specific in Old and New Testament and how that connects. Can you explain that to me? And the thief on the cross is like, what I do I I?" can help you there Uh, can you can you explain to me right the doctrine of the state of the dead can you explain uh please i need some some factual information because i i don't know if i should let you in here if you you know you you don't have that much of an information and the guy's like i can't i don't know how to explain that i don't know how to explain that so the guy that's at the gate in heaven he says hold on for a second i need to get a supervisor so he goes to get a supervisor, right? And supervisor, dude from heaven, comes. And he's like, is it true that, that you couldn't explain this doctrine and you couldn't understand this and, the, and you, you could not recite Psalm 23 from heart, from, your, you, you, from memory? You ki- like, on what basis should we let you in? And the thief in the cross looks him straight in the eye and says, the man on the middle cross said I could come. We don't make it to heaven because we're good, because we got it all figured out. We make it to heaven because God is good and he figured it out for for us. When you get to heaven, you're not going to say glory to the Lamb and to me. You're going to say, I want to worship The lamb that was slain on my behalf. The man on the middle cross said I could come. That is the gospel. The man on the middle cross said I could come. You don't make it to heaven on your works or your effort. You make it to heaven on Jesus' perfect life that is your substitute. And when God looks at you, he doesn't see you with the mistakes and the problems and the difficulties and the trauma and the past and the sin. He doesn't look at you. He sees his perfect son. You are saved not by imitation. You're saved by substitution. And in that, we rejoice in Jesus' name. So I want to pray this morning. Some of you have come to church today and this is not your home church you are a guest here you probably some of you have been attending for a while and you, you've, you've come to church today and you're thinking about well you know I've been attending here and this, this last year and I, I'm, I'm really considering making this church my home family I'm not saying that's going to happen this morning I just when I was in my prayer time this morning God said to make this invitation so I'm making this invitation is there anybody here watching online or in the building who's here and you've been attending this church seems like your family but you're you haven't made that like that one last step to say yeah this is going to be my church family that you would like for me to pray for you today it's like pastor pray for me because I'm, I'm thinking I'm working out some things and I just need a prayer today because I want God to help me to solidify some thoughts because death Fellowship, this 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 church, I wanted to be my my home, and I I am so thankful that I get to enter a place. It's not not crazy about all the bad stuff that I've done. But it's crazy about the Savior that can forgive and transform all the bad stuff that I've done. So, is there anybody in in that position here today who say, Yeah, Pastor? that was me, um, you were talking about me, I-, I want you to pray for me, because I'm considering making this congregation my permanent home, and I would like prayer today, I'd, I'm not going to ask you introvert to come all the way up here to the front, just right there where you are um, we're all going to stand and you just raise your hand we're going to clap for you, and we're going to pray specifically for you, so let's do the things in order, number one, stand up with me please number two, anybody here that says yep that invitation was for me this morning when you were in your prayer time with God he told you to ask this because I'm this is a consideration that I'm making this is a thought process that I'm following through this is this is an idea that I've been putting around in my brain anybody like that just raise your hand wherever you are so I can pray for you anybody like that or online you can just put it right there yeah I've been watching online for a while but I want this to make I want to make this my permanent worship home anybody here in the building I I know it's dark so I can't see very well um, but if this is you come see me at the end if you have any questions I would like to pray for you not just now but after the worship service is over so I can praise God and rejoice with you let's pray this morning and then we're going to sing our last song heavenly father thank you for the story of Elijah Because Elijah points us to a better Elijah, which is Jesus. That in the face of insurmountable odds, he came through. He didn't leave. He didn't hide. He stood up for us in the cross. Thank you for providing salvation. And we ask in advance that during this week... You might allow us to see miracles you're going to perform in this congregation. We praise you and we thank you in advance. And as we sing this last song, we want to unite our voices to praise a God who cares for us so much. He sent his only son to die for our sins. So we don't have to rely on our feelings. We can rely on the fact that we are safe in him. We ask these things in Jesus, in whose name we pray. He is the man on the middle cross. Amen and amen. Let's sing together.